This is the Love Your Team podcast, where we discuss strategies for sales managers like you and me to retain our top talent and build strong teams that consistently outperform. I'm your host, Helen Finucci. I've been leading and managing teams for over 25 years. And for most of the time, my teams have been hybrid, you know, a combination of office and remote. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. I'm joined today by my special guest, Angela Cooper, General Manager of Customer Success at Microsoft US in the Western region. Angela leads a team of 250 customer success professionals and has been at Microsoft for 19 years doing a variety of sales and corporate strategy roles. Welcome, Angela. I am so thrilled to have you join us today. Thank you for having me, Helen. Nice to see you. (laughs) Nice to see you too. We've talked about retaining talent just a little bit, but I think that being inclusive can be a catalyst for a strong team culture, but it also, I think, may help retain talent. So I'm very curious to see how you think about inclusion, because I know you have some thoughts about that. Yeah, it isn't easy to hire diverse talent, but in theory, you can do it, right? If you pay enough money or you, you, you're focused on it enough, you can do it. Um, keeping that diverse talent is a very different prospect. Right. And it's actually very hard when you're trying to move the needle. I was speaking to somebody yesterday who's left Microsoft, is working for a startup, and there are no female people in their, in their organization, in their team. You know, he was saying to me in the startup environment, it's not top of the list. So if you're trying to move that needle, that's a lot harder than trying to, I mean, how do you create an inclusive environment when the person's interviewing and they, they can't even see anybody like them in the organization? Now, hopefully most people listen to this are not in that situation and there's more people in the environment already. So it starts with recruitment. Who interviews these people? Who do they meet during an interview? Do they meet people like them or do they meet people not like them? Right. Regardless of what that is, whether that's how old are they? What's their background? What's their culture? Are they female? Are they black? There's all sorts of different diversities. And I think when you're hiring and going, even going through that interview process, that's where inclusion starts. Because if you don't have people around that are like a little bit like them in those loops, you're not going to get necessarily a, a good viewpoint and they're not going to feel like they could be fit in that role. And then once they join the team, make sure they share who they are and what they're, what they're about. We, we often do that. One of my new teams has a wonderful thing where every month they do a, a, a newsletter and they have three team members who share their personal stories. And it's things like, what's, what's the food I could never live without? what's my passion and where am I from and what should you know about me? And it's just this lovely sort of real storytelling. And so many great stories come from those things that I didn't know about people in the past. And people are starting to even be comfortable sharing disabilities or challenges they've had. And that's when you know the culture is really starting to sort of click and connect Mm -hmm. from an inclusion perspective, because you're the only person who has hearing difficulties in a company how willing are you going to be to share that 
with others because you might be petrified that somebody's going to not treat that in a great way but basically start to think oh well we can't include them in this because of that difficulty or, or some other can you imagine yes I can as a matter of fact because let me tell you I don't know if you know this about me but my vision was failing and I would go into meetings and I would sit at the front of the room right by the screen because I couldn't see from the back of the room and I didn't know what was going on with my vision and I got really concerned and my you know I, I went to different specialists but it wasn't until my optometrist had me go to a cornea specialist that I was properly diagnosed and I had a progressive disease that would have led to blindness and I didn't and that so I suffered with it for a good five years while it progressively got worse. And I was petrified that anyone at work would find out that I couldn't see. And so I totally get what you're saying. And thankfully it ended well because I had eye surgery and I actually have uh, partial cornea transplants in both my eyes from different donors because the surgeries were at different times, but I'm so thankful. And it's made, it's literally made and it's a miracle surgery made such a difference in my life. But remember being concerned whether I'd be able to continue working at one point. So I totally, I mean, it's really heartfelt to understand those situations. And I covered up because I didn't want anyone to know. I wanted to act like I could see and do, and, and I was competent and I was competent, but still it was, I suffered inside. Yeah. I remember you going through the surgeries and, you know, yeah. but that was a long time into the, you, you'd obviously had it a while, but, uh, right. but you're all good now. Right? I'm all good now, it, but it, part of the suffering was it wasn't diagnosed properly and I didn't really know what was going on. But anyway, so making, I guess, allowances, trying to understand what's going on for people and making allowances and accommodations where one can mm-hmm. and, you know, diversity takes so many forms and flavors from different ways of thinking to all sorts. One of the things that I've found is, as you said, hiring is no joke. I mean, it's hard Mm -hmm. to hire people, so I don't want to trivialize that. But with inclusion, you actually really have to change behavior or think outside yourself or maybe your immediate objective. Like, pausing in meetings and asking people, hey, so-and-so hasn't spoken, or do you have something to add? And one of the things I think the pandemic did for us is it equalized our access to talk because we were all on video teams meetings rather than a group in the conference room. And then a group dialing in and was like first-class citizens or second-class citizens. And I think there's more awareness now. That's an example, a simple example, perhaps of being mindful and inclusive, but there's so many things, whether it's, as I said earlier, parents who drop their kids off at eight in the morning, if you don't have kids, you know, I remember having bosses, well, I've been in high tech a long time myself and having been in a team of men and most of the men had wives that stayed home. They didn't think about 
the logistics of a worker having to drop their kids off. Now, a lot of that's changed now. I mean, I guess maybe I date myself with that, but a lot of that's changed where both people work, both yeah. parents work. So it can be crucial for retaining talent because if people aren't feeling included or valued. So one of the markers I think about of whether or not people are feeling included is how, how are we valuing them? How are we valuing their contribution to the business, their diverse way of thinking or what have you? I think that that can make a difference. It really can. And um, you reminded me that you asked me earlier about the what do I do when taking over a team? Yes. So I actually have a list of questions that I use when I take over uh, anyone who's reporting to me directly. And some of those questions are things like, when do you next expect to be promoted? Like, what are your promotion expectations? It's very tough questions. Well, like some people are scared to ask that because they don't know what they're going to get back. But when people change managers, it's often like a big thing. But I also ask things like, what times are precious for you? What else do you want me to know about you that will help me support you more as, as somebody in my team? Maybe I'll share them and maybe you could post them on the podcast link or something. Yeah, that would be amazing. Some of these things you can't ask in interviews, by the way. But, um, <laughs> but I think as somebody's joining the team, it's good to check in on those and, and recheck in. Has anything changed? Do you have, and you know when some things are changing, you know when people have children or maternity leave or, or sure. parental leave coming up but and that's an obvious one but obviously when people are going through these changes in their lives can often be just sitting down and asking that question and saying how does that how does that look and then is there anything you can offer to the rest of the team about that is kind of that next level we've had a, a recently people in our team sharing some of their experiences whether that's for Black History Month, we had, you know, a bunch of the team sharing their experiences as the Black community at Microsoft. We've had people sharing the gay community and many other communities about what it's like for them and how to support them, how to be an ally, how to accommodate that. We had a very powerful session, a leadership call recently with a CTO of an organization who is entirely blind, talking about how he uses our technology. The more of those things we can do, mm -hmm. someone's going to feel connected to some of those things going on. And so I think that means it shows that we value it. And when we consistently offer opportunities for people to talk about those things and be able to, to recognize it, even if they don't feel comfortable sharing, they can at least see, hey, the team are valuing this conversation. Maybe they'll value me. I think that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So diversity in the workforce is a value, obviously, of Microsoft's. Yeah. And I'm going to read a fun fact or actually a quote, because I thought this was super interesting because mm -hmm. this brings it back to business and why diversity matters. So more than four in five buyers would rather buy from a more diverse sales organization, while U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics shows that 80.2% of Americans in sales and related occupations are not diverse. Wow. So customers want diverse sales organizations. It's good for business. And yet we 
have experiences of people perhaps hiring somebody that is not diverse or not, you know, more like them than not or something like that. So it's, mm -hmm. it's really about the pragmatics of business at the end of the day. And, and Microsoft, you know, we sell products all around the world, you know, to serve the needs of every person and every organization on the planet. And so we've got to represent that diverse customer base. Yeah, definitely. We have to reflect who our customers are as well. We had, a, I can remember many years ago at Microsoft, we had a big loss we'd lost to a competitor. There was a big one of these deal reviews where you go through the loss review. Yeah. Um, and one of the team had come forward and said that every single person on the Microsoft team working with that customer were male. Wow. And the customer's CIO was female. And they wondered if that was a part of it. And that was the first time I'd really heard that even sort of proposed as maybe that was a reason why we lost this deal. I mean, typically the reasons you lose a deal, product or price or something like that, or relationship, and we'd thrown every exec possible at this customer. And, um, and I don't know that it was the case. The customer never told us, hey, you guys rocked up with all these men all the time. It, that wasn't necessarily what happened, but it was very interesting to hear that in a loss review for the, for the first time. And I kind of, I, I remember thinking, wow, we're going through a change here. Like this, yeah. this is a, we're starting to really, really see that there's a difference here when you have that sort of diversity in an organization. And I think we've come on a long way since then, but and now it's quite often I get on calls and everybody on the Microsoft teams diverse in some way. And that doesn't never happened in the past, <laughs> but, right. it, but today right. it's not that uncommon that right. we find ourselves right. on calls with senior people. Right. And the majority of people are, are female or um, there's, you know, many representations from underrepresented minorities. And mm -hmm. that's normally that's the most difficult one right now. For sure. That's hard. Yeah. Very, very hard to really have underrepresented minorities in the same numbers as they're in the society. It's, yeah. it's continuing to work on that for sure. So we're getting towards the end. I have a couple quick questions to ask so. you if you're willing. So what would you say is your trademark brand? What are you known for? I would say from a business perspective, it's fitting a square peg in a round hole. Ooh. So tell yeah, me about that. Yeah, quite often <laughs> it's like, yeah, we've got this thing that an acquisition was one that would be one of those examples, right? right. You know, we, we Microsoft acquire a company within a business that didn't quite fit in the, in the, you couldn't just slot it neatly into the Microsoft field and have it kind of all work in the sales organization. And so I got a bit of a reputation for trying to figure out how to do that in the, in the company. And I think that's, um, it's one of the reasons why I was involved in customer success, which was a very new thing for Microsoft. How do we fit that into our culture? How do we land consumption metrics or usage metrics right. into a sales organization? There's a square peg in a round hole, right? So, right. so that's, I would say that's my kind of superpower in a way. Like it's, yeah. a, it's a thing that I, I think is a business leader I, I bring but hopefully my sort of more personal brand is is around fun and caring 
um, and, and trying to really bring a team along to be a real family. So um, that's, that's what I would love to be kind of on my gravestone. Hopefully the square peg round hole thing isn't on the gravestone. That's, that's probably a, a temporary thing for a reputational issue, but hopefully it's like, you know, people remember how I made them feel. Maybe I made them laugh. That would be a good legacy. Oh, that's tremendous. I love that. And, but don't d- diminish square peg round hole because every year we change so much. So mm-hmm. there's always new challenges, always things that have to be thought through and being able to think through those things and bring them to fruition and having a team of people that, you know, love working for you, that are energized by your care of them and the energy. I mean, that's the whole package. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's nice to have that. And, and hopefully square peg round hole can mean like sometimes I will hire very unusual people oh. into roles, right? Like, so sometimes I'd, I kind of like, I really like unusual people. I, ah. might, I, I think at school, I always hang out, hung out with the weirdos, the, <laughs> the strange kids. And right. um, maybe I was a little bit of a strange kid, but, um, I, you know, I, I really do appreciate people who are different. And mm. so maybe that's the inclusive piece as well in there. Maybe I can do that occasionally. Ah, oh, well, thank you. Well, Angela, thank you for joining us today. It is so great to have you on the podcast. It's so great to have this opportunity to learn more about how you're building strong teams and inclusion and diversity. Thank you. Cool. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to catch up. Yes. If you missed the first half of this interview, go back and listen to the first episode on loveyourteampodcast.com. Thank you for joining us for the Love Your Team podcast. Please subscribe and review us in all your favorite podcast venues. Share this show with your own team. If you have topics or guests to suggest, please let us know. Love your team at funnelradio.com.